Hello, Dale Partridge here. You're listening to an episode from the Real Christianity Archive. Veronica and I originally began this podcast under the name Ultimate Marriage as a resource for our online marriage mentor program found at ultimatemarriage.com. While our marriage program is still a critical part of our ministry, after about 30 episodes, we decided to change the name of this podcast to Real Christianity as a way to widen the scope of our biblical content. That said, these are some of our most popular episodes, so please enjoy and stay with us on the journey to bring the church back to the Bible. Welcome to Ultimate Marriage. Today, we are going to be talking about... How to overcome sexual trials and trauma in your marriage. Well, people, um, I'm actually feeling a little bit better, but Veronica's now got a bit of a cold. So um, we've been fighting the cold in our house and uh, we're here with stuffy noses and potentially a cough here and there. But um, we're- <laughs> a cough ex- drop in my mouth. So, so if it sounds funny, that's why yeah, I don't so- want to be coughing a ton during the- show. So that's what it is. Yeah. So we're excited to have this conversation. We actually, um, we just got done with the, uh, sex module for our, um, marriage program, the ultimate marriage program, which is, uh, right now it's currently set up as a one year program, but we're actually changing that to become instead of 12 months to be a 12 week Mm -hmm. program. And we're going to open up registration, right after the new year again. So if you want to be notified of when you can enroll in that program, it is epic. We go so deep on the topics of marriage, but we just finished the sex module and we spent, yeah, just lots of time talking about sex and how important it is to a marriage. And um, you just go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash notify. Um, again, that's ultimatemarriage.com forward slash notify. And we will uh, get you on the list and notify you when we open up registration so you can come in and be in that journey with us. Um, a couple other things. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I, I mentioned this last time and, and we actually had several hundred people follow along, um, which, yeah, we loved and appreciated. But we also, um, we, we share a lot there uh, every single week, um, especially uh, Veronica with our children. And so um, you, get to, you get to see kind of the more polished side with me in terms of just teachings and lessons and I guess and then our, you get to see the real life side with me. <laughs> yeah, you get to see the real life. Uh, yeah, the children and our house and the things that we do with Veronica. So um, we'd love to have you there. Um, we're going to turn this conversation today into three questions. And we had so many questions come in from our uh, our current group. We have 300. We had, we had 370 couples when we started. It's a little bit less now. Um, and we had lots of incredible questions that we couldn't get through all of them. So I took some of those questions, they're anonymous questions, and I think that they apply to giant chunks of married couples. And we're going to answer three of those questions today. Um, so Veronica, will open up with the first question. Okay. Question number one, as a husband, I have made mistakes in our marriage from keeping secrets about my past to falling into the sin of temptation and and looking at pornography. My wife has forgiven me and I am living in purity and honesty now, but as a result of my past sins, I feel so shameful and unworthy to pursue my wife sexually. Um, She wants intimacy and is hurt that I don't pursue her. I know this is how she feels, but I still can't get over my past and initiate sex very often. As a result of how infrequent our intimacy has been, we both feel discouraged and have a hard time even wanting to have sex at times now. What would you recommend for overcoming this shame and mental slash spiritual block that I have? Yeah. 
So when I hear this question, the first thing that comes to my mind is it sounds like you've been truly repentant. You repented to your wife. You've repented to God and your wife has forgiven you. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, well, hey, buddy, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Mm -hmm. Like it is if they have never happened, happened. Mm -hmm. You are a new creation in Christ. You don't need to live with that guilt and that shame. Mm-hmm. It's already been forgiven. Yeah. And, you know, the there's a, a statement that I wrote down here that I, I've had to tell people over and over again. Satan loves to keep us paying the price for sins that have already been paid for. Mm-hmm. He loves to have you feel that shame and that guilt. Yeah. Because it keeps you in a place of not growing and not getting past it. Yeah. And this, obviously, this question can be applicable to so many areas of life outside of sexual sin. Uh, because you're, it's the struggle of of not feeling forgiven yeah. and um, and dwelling on the past. Well, and it's incredible because Satan loves to have you there because once you have experienced the power of forgiveness and you have moved on and you and your wife are reconciled and it you guys aren't holding it you know over one another, that's an incredible testimony it that is. can be shared um, to other people who are struggling and you can encourage and walk with other couples that way. And of course, Satan does not want that. Yeah. And, and the opposite is true is that if you haven't been able to do that, it's you're lacking authority. You're lacking testimony. Mm-hmm. You, you have no power to share with other people. You can't tell people to follow your example. Um, I want to break this down a little bit. I, I think that uh, this gentleman's issue is two parts. Um, first, I really believe that um, you don't, you don't believe that you're worthy of grace and that you're worthy of forgiveness. Um, and as a result, you can't actually accept the grace that was given to you. And instead you have to punish yourself. I was just thinking the same okay, thing. You have to punish yourself as a way to feel like you earned the grace. Yeah. And this is a very common thing in the church. Mm-hmm. We can't accept the grace. So therefore we kind of have to self-sabotage. We have to like stumble ourselves, hurt ourselves, punish ourselves to actually feel to like feel maybe- To feel the guilt, to feel the weight to of feel the, weight. the sin. Yeah. So then we might have like earned it. And then we can be forgiven later because we've actually paid the price. Mm-hmm. We felt the consequences. Um, it, it feels like a like a righteous response to not downplay the gravity of our sin. Like that that it feels like a righteous response to like not downplay the the weight and the magnitude of our sin after we've repented. It's not actually because there's no point, right? The 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 price has already been paid. Um, we're going to talk about some scriptures of what, what scripture tells us to do after we've repented. And so um, it's not righteous to continue to hang on to the, 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 the gravity, the weight of your sin after you've repented and been forgiven. It's, it's not righteous. Um, and when you understand that through repentance, you're fully um, forgiven, um, it's a big deal. It'll actually make you cry when you realize the weight that was lifted off you. But I want to remind you, anybody that's dealing with this, it's like telling Jesus, hey, your death on the cross wasn't good enough. Mm. That, that, that's really what's happening is that you're going, um, I'm still feeling the weight and the shame and I, I can't like seem to let it go. And like, you just go, Jesus, what you did on the cross, that giant sacrifice you made for mankind, like it wasn't good enough for my sins. Mm-hmm. And it's actually... Um, like, like you're telling them you failed to accomplish your goal. It's a form of self-righteousness, actually. Um, like, like you're actually, you're, your stuff's too big for Jesus. Like he can take care of the, the sins of the rest of the world, but he can't take care of mine. Um, th- th- this, is, this is not biblical thinking. And 
again, when you recognize, truly recognize what grace is, you don't deserve it. Uh, You're not worthy of it, yet you still receive it. And that is love. That is grace. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you don't deserve. And when this is why the poets of times past weep and cry and talk about forgiveness and grace in such beautiful ways, because it'll make you cry when you actually understand that concept. Um, the second side of this, and feel free, babe, to, to come in if you want to have any uh, ideas on this. The second side of this is that you're actually being disobedient to how the scriptures call you to view repentance sin. And so there's actually an obedience thing going on here. Yeah, Philippians 3, uh, 13 and 14, 14 says, brethren, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but once, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind in reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so like, uh, let's sit in on Christ this. Jesus. Yeah, let's sit on this one for a second because this is good. Um, he's saying, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He's talking about apprehended like he hasn't become perfection yet. He hasn't actually, he doesn't actually have his salvation or his, his, um, uh, he doesn't have heaven in his grips at this point. And if you understand Philippians and Corinthians, you'll get what I'm saying there. But what he's saying, he says, but one thing that I do, forgetting things, those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, he forgets those things. That's what Paul, the apostle Paul does. Yeah, because that's what God does. That's Once it, he forgives your sin, he yeah. forgets about it. It's as if it never happened. Yeah, it's in the bottom of the ocean floor. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to read a couple more scriptures that I think will bring the authority to what we're saying true for you. Because if you're dwelling on past sin, you're the only one doing it because God's not dwelling on it. If God's dwelling on it, then he has to become a liar. And it says that it is impossible for God to lie. Okay. You're the only one dwelling on it. And Satan loves it. He loves you being tormented by your past. Mm. And so that you cannot move forward to the future. You're in bondage to it. And that's why Jesus came is to, to make us free of these things. First John 1, 9 um, says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if that's true, my friend, um, then you're thinking incorrectly, or if you're right, then Jesus is lying. And so we, we have to be, we have to be very careful that there's actually a, a disobedience. Like you, you might even consider repenting to the Lord going, Lord, I am so sorry that I have not received the grace in which you paid such a mighty price for. Um, and yeah, Veronica, maybe close to the scripture that I think is also critical. Yeah. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling people with just your past, mm-hmm. The apostle gave some doctrine here for us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're new. Mm-hmm. And so let go of that stuff. Don't dwell on it for one minute. Don't think about it. If it's been repented of, 
truly repented of, meaning that you've turned away from that sin, um, don't think about it again. It's gone. There's no point. Um, hopefully that's helpful for you. Okay. Next question. How can I get back to a place of desire, both physically and mentally for my husband after experiencing deep hurt over his pornography use, being sexually and emotionally vulnerable with a man who I feel like has violated my trust in every way possible and hurt me so deeply feels impossible. Well, first off, I'm sorry you're having to deal with this and also know that you're not alone because many, many, many women have had to walk through this road. Mm -hmm. Um, and porn, like we've said before, porn is the cancer of the church. Yeah. It is hurting people and couples, people, if you're men or women, if you're looking at pornography, um, stop. It's not just a matter of like doing the right thing. It is practicing sin. And it's getting better at it. It's getting better at sin. And man, if you look at the scriptures, the warnings of those who practice sin, it is, it should scare you. It'll put the fear of the Lord right in you because um, there is a strong argument that you can't have that sin, practicing sin, and your salvation is with it. Um, you, it it's, there's a strong argument there. And so I just want you to have the fear of the Lord says the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, so I, yeah, what Veronica said, uh, ladies, if you're dealing with this men, if you're dealing with a wife who's been unfaithful, um, you know, it's hard. Um, it's really hard. And now the, the reality is that we're called to be like Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And um, we get to follow Christ, not just in the easy stuff, but we get to follow Christ in the hard stuff. And we're called to forgive others the way that we were forgiven. Um, God says, or Jesus says, uh, if you don't forgive others um, who have sinned against you, then your father in heaven will not forgive you. I mean, he's literally saying that our horizontal forgiveness with others is directly connected with our vertical forgiveness with God. Like, and that's a, that's a scary scripture. Yeah. And just hearing that, just, just so you know, like being angry and being hurt by your spouse for being sinned against is righteous anger and righteous hurt. But to, uh, react in that Mm -hmm. in sin in your anger and sin in your bitterness is not okay. Yeah. And, and for it to remain, to turn into bitterness, resentment, Mm -hmm. and which will, yeah, I'll, I'll, the goal should be to communicate through it, to get past it. Yeah. Hey, Dale Partridge here. Last year, I heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. You see, the vast majority of Christians don't know God's word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. Again, that's ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. Now let's dive back into the show. 
and and we're looking for true forgiveness here, not like cultural forgiveness here. Not like, yeah, I forgive you, but still like withholding sex from him or yes. just it, being bitter. Yeah, I mean, it's bitterness. And this happens all the time. This yeah. is this is what even the church adopts is that is cultural forgiveness. True forgiveness is the same forgiveness in which we were forgiven. And um, it, it's, it's, it's big stuff. True forgiving is an act that you can only do in the power of the gospel. It's the only, you can only do it with the power of the Holy Spirit because it is not. Yeah, our flesh hates it. Our flesh hates it. Hates it. It, it hates everything about it. It's illogical. They, they want your spouse to feel the pain that you have caused them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to read you. Ephesians 4, uh, 32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I do believe uh, this woman, um, her story, which is, again, I think applicable to thousands very, yeah, of people. Um, I believe that this is a form of withholding forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that is what's happening. At the very least, if it's not that, it's not understanding the significance of your own forgiveness from Christ or through Christ. It's, so it's either withholding forgiveness or at the very least, not understanding the significance of your own forgiveness, how the magnitude of how much you've been forgiven. And I want to um, talk about something you said. I'm going to read this. Uh, quote, being sexually and emotionally vulnerable with a man who I feel like has violated my trust in every way possible and hurt me so deeply feels impossible. Um, we have to remember that we like how much we have violated God. We have to remember how much we violated God and, um, and how undeserving we are of his grace, how unworthy we are of his forgiveness, how wretched we are. And that's a hard thing to do to kind of just go and remember those things. Um, and when, when we can do that, when we can recognize how undeserving we are, we understand the significance and the magnitude of our forgiveness. Um, holding resentment and bitterness against others who have sinned against us uh, is a sign that we really believe that we aren't that bad. Mm, okay. It's pride. It's, pride. it's self-righteousness. Um, and true forgiveness just like Christ. Okay. Just, this is the hammer right here. And this is hard stuff. I'm not saying I'm a pro at it, but I'm saying if we're going to be biblical, this is what the scriptures teach. True forgiveness, just like with Christ is putting us back into relationship exactly the same way it was prior to sin. And if you look at that, you go, well, when I sin against Christ, I am separating myself from, 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 you know, with unrighteousness and I need to repent of that. Well, the moment I repent to, to the Lord and I go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That very moment, I'm back into relationship and fellowship with the Lord exactly how I was prior to the sin. And, um, and we do that even with parenting, right? Um, your children sin against you or the Lord and they repent and they repent to us for whatever they did wrong. They, they might have a consequence of punishment, uh, of some sort of discipline to teach them the lesson. But the moment that that's done, the price has been paid. They're back into fellowship exactly the same way 
as they were prior to the sin. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that life has to stay the, you know, go back to being exactly the same. Um, there might be new boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to explain that? Like those, those boundaries are for the benefit of building back the trust. Yeah. Yeah. So not, you know, our belief is that, um, marriage is a one flesh union, meaning that, that it's any boundaries within a marriage between you and your spouse, um, is, is bad. There, there shouldn't be any boundaries, um, because we're to be one flesh. Now there are to be boundaries with other people. There are to be right. boundaries in your life with other things that are around you guys, especially after, uh, yeah, especially like after this. this yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no boundaries with, within a marriage in, in order to be one flesh. There's no shadows. There's no boundaries. There's no like guards of access. Yeah. The boundaries we're talking about, like I said, is for building back up the trust, not for nurturing the resentment or because your inability to be, or because of your inability to forgive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's about any, any boundary that you might have in your life might be like, Hey, um, I just, you know, would like to have the passwords to your phone and, and to your computer. And, you know, why don't you copy me on email, on text messages with any other women at the, like, I mean, things like that we talked about in our last episode, those are new boundaries externally, um, that you're protecting your marriage and, and they're for the benefit of the building back trust not for the nurturing of resentment or just like as a way to like cope with your unforgiveness or something. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's time to, to really consider how wretched we are, how much we've been forgiven. And if we are extending forgiveness the same way that Christ has forgiven us, there's, there's parables up about this, about the parable of the debtors. You might want to read, um, you know, the, 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 the gentleman that was forgiven by the king and then he goes and, and doesn't forgive the debts of these, these small debts of these other people. There's, there's all types of stuff about this. Romans chapter one talks about the wrath of God on unrighteous, but then Romans chapter two, Paul takes the canon that he was pointed at the unrighteous and he points it back at the righteous and says, remember that you were these people. And so just, we cannot forget how much we've been forgiven. It, if the moment we do, we will stop forgiving others. All right. Last question. My husband wants to initiate, wants me to initiate sex more often, but I have a huge fear of rejection. In addition, I just don't desire sex as much as him. How can we fix these issues? Um, like we've said before in previous shows and videos or whatever else you've seen, um, Dale and I have made a rule that we just never deny each other. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to make that rule, make a rule to never deny one another. Now there are things that you need to be wise in use wisdom. Does Dale get to pursue if it's very clear that I'm sick and I've had a hard day or whatever it is like, you know, he, he gets to use wisdom and use it and know that it's probably not a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and have I made the mistake of pursuing in times that weren't great? Sure, I've done that. But Veronica would still say, yeah. And yeah. Um, and then the conviction might set in and go, oh, I'm sorry. You know, that, that we, you know, that was selfish. It wasn't looking out for her, um, her um, well-being and her enjoyment and her peace. And so sex in a marriage is always to be seeking the other's benefit. That's how a sex life works best is it's not about you and what you receive. It's what, it's what they receive. Um, and so, yeah, that rule has been, 
You will never have a fear of rejection in your marriage if you follow that rule. Now you do get to kind of learn each other and as a man get to have self-control and go, you know what? Maybe it's not the right time, even though I want to, it's not the right time for her and, um, and vice versa. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I've heard, I know lots of women that want to have sex more than their husbands. Mm -hmm. I hear about these messages all the time and, uh, the same thing is true there. Um, but, um, a couple things I want to just mention on this is if men get rejected often, um, over and over again, I mean, the scriptures say, you know, do not deprive each other. First Corinthians chapter seven, do not deprive each other yet for a time for fasting and for prayer, but come together again soon. Um, that Satan does not tempt you. Yeah. Um, so if you're constantly rejecting, rejecting, rejecting your spouse, you're kind of opening the door for temptation yeah. to come your husband's way. Yeah. And now, now it's doesn't, not, yeah, that doesn't make it okay. doesn't make it okay. To fall into that temptation. But you need to real, you need to know that as a wife that you go, if you just reject your husband to the point where it's like you have sex, you know, two times a month or something, or you let these long stretches go where like, you know, three weeks stretches or something like that, that that's dangerous. The scriptures even teach that that's dangerous. Um, and it might not be sought out in, pornography or it might not be sought out in adultery, but it might be sought out in private masturbation. It might be sought out. And, you know, and I, I, we teach here is that, you know, secret masturbation or private sex, sex with yourself is sex outside of marriage. Now, you know, if you're, if your uh, spouse knows about it and has been approved it because they have the authority over your body is what it says in first Corinthians seven, then, then there's a time and place for that in our opinion. But that's what happens. You don't want secret sex lives going on in your marriage. Um, even if it's just with yourself. Um, and another thing I want to mention um, that we just talked about in our last episode for our our, our uh, 12-week program is um, that if women don't um, actually reach climax during their sex experience, it actually often causes... Uh, women to not want to have sex often. And so we had people asking, oh yeah, is, are orgasms important? Things like that. 75% of women is what the stat says. Don't actually have orgasms during sex. And so um, it's a pretty uh, important part that, that both you know, men aren't rejected, women are being served, getting your sex life in order. And that's what the show's about, trials and trauma. Yeah. You, you got to get it straight and you got to work at it and spend time on it. Um, because it is, it is probably the greatest metric of understanding the greatest metric to show the health of a marriage is the health of their sex life, the frequency of their sex life, um, the communication that they have on their sex life. What was that stat? 75%? 75%. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you hear that stat and like you hear us saying that, that, um, a lot of women don't reach climax when they're being into it with their spouse, like don't feel insecure about yourself and be like, Oh, that I like, I just don't want to have sex. And, uh, because I can't achieve this and it's uncomfortable or whatever it is. Don't get down on yourself about it. That just means you have more opportunity to practice yeah. and, and keep working at it. Figure it out. I mean, yeah. and the longer things, yeah, exactly. The longer you're married, the more you just need to communicate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, don't make it so like taboo to talk about in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important. Um, uh, the, the last two things I want to say is actually I'll just change this to one thing is sex needs to be important to both spouses. It, it shouldn't, you got to deal with the wounds. You got to deal with the trauma. You got to deal with the trials, 
but sex needs to be um, important to both you and your spouse. Equally important in different ways, possibly, but equally important. Um, so hopefully those, yeah, answer your questions. Um, you know, we go so much uh, deeper and into detail on this topic of sex in our program. Um, but this is just a, a good little snippet for you guys to take and hopefully um, grow through some of these hard things that we have to deal with in our marriages. Um, yeah, we got a memory verse. Yeah, this week's memory verse is Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, so that's Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Um, this is an important scripture to memorize. Um the enemy is the great reminder of our past. Yeah, especially if you deal with shame. Especially if you deal with shame. Yeah, so just you get to kind of take shame and take every cap or take every thought captive, you know, to Christ and into his truth. And you get to just replace that lie with this truth, you know. And Paul often says, follow my example, you know. And he's the one that delivered the gospel to the Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, the only reason you got the gospel is because Paul was commissioned to do it. That man who told you the gospel is telling you this. But one thing that I do, forgetting these things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So remember that. Um, a couple things. If you guys um, have not let a, uh, left us a review, would you guys do that? Um, this is you know the end of the show and all we'd love for you to do is just to go to uh, the iTunes app if you're listening on iTunes and just tap the stars. You don't even need to leave a review. Um, if you do leave a review, we'd love it because I read them all. Um, they're so encouraging to us. They really are. Um, but if you just want to tap the stars and leave a review later, you can do that too. Um, but these reviews, they really do help the exposure of our show. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, know that we have a podcast. And if you're listening on podcasts, we know that we have a YouTube channel. You can watch these things. And you can just go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash podcast. Um, actually, it's not forward slash podcast. Just go to the podcast tab. And you can, this is episode 17. We have all the notes, the videos, uh, the, the, you can listen to it there. We have all the quotes, the scriptures, the memory verse, the questions, everything is there for you to uh, review of every episode that we do. It's there for your benefit. Um, and, uh, we just want to let you guys know that that exists. But, uh, again, thank you guys, um, for listening to the show. We appreciate it. And we will see you guys here next week on the Ultimate Marriage Podcast. See ya. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ultimate Marriage. If you're homesick for a stronger marriage, visit our website at ultimatemarriage.com and consider enrolling in our one-year online marriage mentor program. Also, if you're interested in learning more about building a better marriage, follow Veronica and I on social media where each week we share tips, tricks, and lessons on building a biblical marriage. 